proclamations is exciting. Yeah, this is a big one. I know. So I'm excited to talk about the different roles of husbands and wives, different roles of people, men, women. Yeah, me too, and the different ways that uh, family relationships can help us come into Christ. So, yep, it's going to be yep. great. So welcome, everyone. So before we get our discussion going, should we follow up on what we read? Yeah, let's do it. So today we're talking about the family, a proclamation to the world, uh, which teaches us that marriage is ordained of God and that family is central to the Creator's plan. We're also going to talk about how family relationships are perpetuated beyond the grave and that families really can be eternal. This inspired document also teaches us that families are to care for one another in love and righteousness and that happiness is most likely achieved through basing our family on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a, a few different things that we can talk about in this document, obviously, but we're going to focus in on two in particular. How do we find happiness in family life? And second, uh, what does it mean to have an ideal family? And in order to help us to dive deeper into this topic, and especially this proclamation, we've invited our good friend, Justin Dyer. Justin, would you come up here and meet us in the stand? Welcome. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Great yeah. to thanks be for, here. Thanks for coming, Justin. So, Justin, you've had a lot of experience on this topic. So, first of all, you're an associate professor of religion at Brigham Young University. You're the principal investigator of the Family Foundations of Faith, which actually, can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that uh, is wonderful about uh, being a professor is get, getting to be able to study different things that we're interested in. One of the things that me and my co-investigators were really interested in is how are youth doing today in terms of their faith? So what this is, it's a study of 2,000 youth, about half Latter-day Saints, half non-Latter-day Saints, and we're gonna be tracking them for 10 years to see just how they're doing in terms of their faith, but also their family and their mental health. How do those things kind of combine together to create kids that are really, say, stay on the path or get on the path, the gospel path? Uh, and where do they struggle? What are their trials during uh, this time in today's world, which is really quite unique from uh, most other times? So I, I know you're very familiar with this document, the Proclamation to the World. Is there anything that's especially significant to you or meaningful to you or something that we should know as we go into it and study this document? Last year was the first time the prophet and the pope met together. Mm -hmm. So President Nelson went over to Rome for the dedication of the Rome Temple and he met with the pope there at the Vatican. Mm -hmm. And he gave the pope a statue of Christ and a copy of the family proclamation. Now, I'm certain the Pope already had a statue of Christ, mm -hmm. but of course that's emblematic of our faith. The Savior is the center of all that we do. Mm -hmm. He's the one leading and guiding the church. But then also the family proclamation being emblematic of our faith. We have statements about our eternal family, that we're all part of the same eternal family. And we share with the Catholic tradition in so many ways all of the values that we have about family life. And the Lord wants us to seek for happiness in family life. And I thought that was really neat that that's one of the things that uh, President Nelson gave the Pope was a copy of the proclamation. Excellent. You know, there are a lot of things that could, could divide people of different faiths, but that idea of, in this case, Jesus Christ, but this idea of a, of a divine being in some way is something that will guide and bring a lot of us together. And then the other topic is family. I mean, most people I think really do care in one way or another about their family. So that's a great thing that will bring them together and build that community and that relationship. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So let's jump right into it then. The first thing we want to talk about is this idea of finding happiness in family life. And one of the phrases in the proclamation says, the family is central to the creator's plan for the eternal destiny of his children. In what ways is this true? In what ways is it central to our theology and to our moral development? 
President Oaks years ago said, our theology begins with heavenly parents. Mm -hmm. Our highest aspiration is to be like them, mm -hmm. right? We have these perfect heavenly parents, a heavenly mother, a heavenly father. We were there with them and we saw these two individuals and thought, boy, we want to be like them. And of course they created the plan for us to say, this is how you can be like us. Mm -hmm. You go to earth. And so we have these two perfect heavenly parents. We have a perfect older brother in Jesus Christ. And they're simply helping us to guide us through this life to be like them. Mm -hmm. So the beginning and the end point, if you will, begins with the family, our heavenly parents. And then, all right, what are the steps that we need to take uh, to become like them? We're not gonna do it perfectly in this life which is of course why we have the Savior Jesus Christ mm -hmm. that's gonna help us along the way. And the Lord always plays the long game. Uh, he'll help us get there in the end. And Justin, I appreciate you bringing up President Oaks' talk about trying to become like our heavenly parents and just this idea of, of heavenly mother as well. For a while, it seemed like it was kind of taboo when people would come up with different reasons why we don't talk about her. We do talk about her. The prophets are trying to get us to understand that we really do have a mother in heaven, that this is an eternal family and this is what a family looks like. And we're hearing from, you know, the young woman's theme, we are daughters of heavenly parents. And we recognize that we do have a heavenly mother, that our heavenly parents are married. You know, we have those gospel topics essays and one of them is on heavenly mother. And the very beginning says that the doctrine of heavenly mother is cherished. Yeah. To Latter-day Saints. And I think that sometimes we miss the mark and we don't cherish that enough. We should cherish that doctrine, how meaningful that is to us. Yeah, thank you. So one question I have for um, some of our viewers is, in what ways have your family relationships contributed to your moral development, contributed to your coming unto Christ? Yeah, Josh. Um, for me, my family has been huge in uh, helping me develop a testimony. I remember from when I was a little kid, my family would get up early before school to study the scriptures with me and my siblings in the morning. And my dad would be awake at 5.30, making me breakfast. and. Uh, we'd study a talk together, and uh, it was just so fundamental, not only learning the doctrine, but also seeing that love and helping me gain a testimony. Excellent, thanks. Yeah, Jonathan. I've just always appreciated the example that my parents gave me, and I didn't realize how amazing they were until I was on my mission, and it was my second area. I just moved like in the middle of nowhere. I didn't get along with my companion. It was just like not a lot going on, and it was one of the hardest times and I was studying my scriptures and trying to find answers of like how we could get like new investigators and everything and I was reading about Alma and about how much his parents were praying for him and I realized at that moment how much my parents had been praying for me and things started picking up and I talked to my parents about it and I was just kind of overwhelmed with they were like, yeah, we've been praying for you a lot. <laughs> of course we have. But mm -hmm. even when they're not like directly involved, like they're involved through their prayers and, and a lot of other actions that they do. And that really hit me at that time. So thanks. Elder Christofferson has a quote um, that it says, much that is good, much that is essential, even sometimes all that is necessary for now can be achieved in less than ideal circumstances. And he's talking about the family. And I... I was thinking about my, my father especially, his mother committed suicide because her husband was, my grandfather was trying to make her have an abortion. And my dad said that as a young man at 14, he made the decision that he was not going to raise his children the way he was raised. And he was gonna be a different father than his father was. Mm -hmm. For my dad, he was raised in a situation where he wanted to create a family. And my mom came from a more active family than my dad for sure, but you know, they eloped to the temple. That's <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the level of support was not really there, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I think, frankly, my dad wasn't necessarily raised in the most ideal, mm -hmm. but his ideal mm -hmm. sure made it so I was raised in more ideal. Yeah. 
And I love this idea of just kind of generational progression. Like my father was raised a certain way by his father, and I hope that he raised me a little bit better than that, I would think, and I hopefully I'm raising my kids a little bit better than that. And if we have a good trajectory, like I'm happy with that, even if other people are doing better than me. That's, That's great. great. Well, and of course the ideal, right, as it talks about in the proclamation, is when you're going to find happiness is when it's founded on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, mm -hmm. all of those things that don't necessarily denote a particular yeah. structure, Yeah. right? This life is full of different things that we don't expect in family life. Mm -hmm. uh, our family life, we would love to control every aspect of our family life, mm -hmm. but a lot of it is out of our control. Yeah. But what is in our control? Hey, we can go to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. We can have faith, we can repent, and that, living according to those principles is the real ideal in family life. Yeah, I love that. In fact, from the actual family proclamation, it states, happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Successful marriages, as you're talking about, Justin, and families are established and maintained on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities. Excellent. Um, so we actually have a, a, a video from a viewer at home uh, regarding this. Hi, my name is Corey Palmer. I'm from Southern California, and I've lived here my entire life. Family proclamation promises us happiness if we are founded upon Jesus Christ, and we are. Yet members of my family are suffering from job loss, depression, and anxiety, and are really affected by all the various things happening in the world right now, and it's really affecting our ability to be happy. Is there anything that you can tell us to help us with all that? I'd like to say to Corey, first of all, before we even get into this discussion, like, Corey, we're with you. What you're describing is very difficult. There is a lot of heartache that goes on in mortality. I mean, it sounds like Corey's family is, is struggling with maybe some of those things you discussed right there, but it's real. Like there are some very difficult things that are, people are going through. And frankly, it's, it's uh, you know, Jesus Christ was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Corey, we understand we hurt, we hurt for you and we've had our own situations as well. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. A great, honest question. You know, in Second Nephi, uh, it talks about how they lived after the manner of happiness. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that they were happy all the time. Yeah. And in fact, the proclamation says happiness in family life is most likely mm -hmm. to be achieved. And it's to be achieved. That's right. right? That's right. It's yeah. not something that we live in day in and day in and day out mm -hmm. because it's suggesting that, oh, there's a way that we can live that we can call happiness. Mm -hmm even amidst the very excruciating things that people experience. One of the phrases in family life is, loss is universal. Everybody will lose somebody. When we live after the manner of happiness, we're reaching out to the Savior in those moments and looking to Him and trying to derive that nourishment from Him that we can you're still living after the manner of happiness, even though we might not be experiencing all the wonderful feelings and joy that we hope that we'd experience mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Based on a little silly, and I don't, Liz, I talk about my family sometimes, but the best stories that my family has is when my parents had their first eight children and they lived in a tent for eight months. Like my mom was pregnant <laughs> with number nine and this, the family songs, the family stories, the, like this ideal, they were living legitimately in a park, right? Like. And some of our best family stories and traditions and things come from those most difficult times where people looking at it might think that they were really struggling. 
but those were some of the happiest times of my family that happened before I was born. Obviously, when I was born, things got better, right? Because then I was in the family. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But it's, but it's true. I mean, sometimes you can look on the bright side, and sometimes looking back, uh, there is a lot of happiness that goes on even in difficult times, yeah. if we let it. Yeah. I think something that the Lord's been trying to teach me this year uh, has really been that of accountability. There will always be things, stressors in life that I won't be able to control. But um, to be able to help myself focus on the things that I can control is that I can focus on how I have the capacity to treat other people, including my family. Um, and going back to the passage that you just read about having principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, wholesome recreational activities, those are things that I personally can control. I can choose to, although I'm single right now, one day have love and patience for my spouse and, and my kids and to treat them with respect. And I hope that um, taking accountability for those ways that I can treat other people and show them the love of Jesus Christ through my actions could help maintain that happiness in family life as I try to focus on that and be better at it. And Jen, you don't, not to be preaching on this one, but you don't have to wait until you're married to do that. I mean, you have a family. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before on this show, but I wasn't married until I was 40. Your family doesn't start when you get married. Your family already started in the pre-mortal world. We have an eternal family. And I, I hope that we all remember that every single person in this world is a part of the family. So let's treat people as if we're all parts of a family. I think too, I mean, I'm grateful that the Lord has structured his church on that assumption. Like there are structures in place within the church to help people uh, get through hard financial times or make sure they're supported with the ministering program and Bishop's Storehouse and things like that too. So, I mean, when people suffer, that's a member of our family suffering, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And the Lord has commanded us to reach out to those people and help them. Mm -hmm. So this has been a great discussion on finding happiness in family life. Now maybe we can talk about the characteristics of an ideal family or whether there is such thing as an ideal family. So Justin, maybe we can start off, uh, can you give us a little historical context, historical background? How did the Family Proclamation come about? Sure, so the Family Proclamation came out in 1995. Now. We have had over the last 60 years immense changes in family life. Mm -hmm. And through the 60s, 1960s, 70s, 80s, you had family life really changing quite a bit. So in 1994 was the UN International Year of the Family and they had various conferences. And the church leaders were really paying attention to that. And they noticed that marriage was not mentioned at all in those. And because of all the other changes that had been happening in family, the apostles thought it really important to proclaim the church's position. And so they got mm -hmm. together and they appointed a committee of three. You had Elder Faust, Elder Maxwell, and Russell M. Nelson actually on the committee. They each drafted a version of a proclamation. They came together, synthesized it, and then they gave it to the apostles and they talked about it, made changes. Then they gave it to the first presidency. They made other alterations. And recently, President Oaks talked about that revelatory process. I mean, you can imagine having 15 prophets, seers, and revelators growing over this document line by line, word by word. Mm -hmm. And that's then what we have in the proclamation today. It's been our baseline for teaching about the family for the last 25 years. And as President Oak says, it will be continue for the future at our baseline for that. Excellent. Carlos. I am a convert in the church. I was 14 when this proclamation was uh, available. And I remember reading it, I, I was, the only member in hundreds of thousands of people. And I remember that I wanted to follow this. 
And this is one of, of, of the things that made me go back to the church. Obviously, I know I'm far, my family is far from, for, from perfect, but this, I have a huge testimony about following these principles, that we, we can overcome a lot of fails and a lot of stuff that we carry from probably generations. Uh, I have a great testimony about that. That's almost exactly the same story as my parents as well. Their conference to the church, and one of the things that brought them to the church was this uh, idea of the importance of the family. So maybe now we can transition and talk a little bit about this question of the ideal family. Justin, would you say that there exists an ideal family, and why is understanding the answer to this question important? There is an ideal family, and that's our heavenly parents, of course, right? Mm -hmm. Our heavenly parents are perfect individuals, have the ideal family. Most of us, all of us, fall completely short of that, right? Where we don't measure up to that. But the proclamation does give us some assistance in knowing, oh, what is it that we're aiming for? What is it that we should be working towards? Sister Alberto in the Ensign in September 2020 said, I have seen firsthand that many people in the world don't live in perfect family situations. In fact, I'm not sure anyone does. The ideal described in the family of proclamation to the world reminds us of the loving eternal family that we belong to. It teaches us that we are all part of the family of God and reminds us that regardless of our earthly family situation, each of us is surrounded by brothers and sisters. Our family situations may never be perfect in this life, but our Savior can provide us with healing. Learning more about the principles of the proclamation can help you strengthen your faith and those around you, whatever your family circumstance. One of the great difficulties of family life today is that so many people don't know what to do in family life. People are searching for something to know what to do, what to even aim for. And the proclamation gives us those. So we have an ideal heavenly father, heavenly mother, and the proclamation gives us those eternal possibilities for us. You know, we, we talk about this ideal family and it reminds me of even just our, the first presidency in Quorum of the Twelve. You know, we have a prophet who's father was not a member of the church and then they weren't sealed together until he was an adult man. I mean, his, his father was drinking alcohol, as we know. We talked about some of those things. We look at President Oaks then. I mean, his father passed away. He was raised by a single mom and frankly, by his grandparents for quite a period of time. And you, you can go through the first presidency in Quorum of the Twelve and many of them were not raised in what some people would consider an ideal family, yet they still were able to become incredible people. And, and I think that the Lord also... Um, has a lot of compensatory blessings for people that are not necessarily in an ideal situation. I mean, clearly, I would say President Nelson, when we look at his life and kind of his struggles that he was going through, he, he prayed for years. He said for Christmas, for years and years and years and years, he was asking Heavenly Father for the Christmas present of having his family sealed in the temple. And he didn't have that for a long time. But clearly there were some compensatory blessings that were going on. I think it's fascinating that we have leaders of the church who are in legitimate situations where they've had to struggle to create the families that they're trying to have as well. It's not this ideal family, but it's living these principles that makes this, this family as ideal or as happy, I guess, as possible as, as we are in this land of mortality. Yeah, Isa. I love that you bring up this topic. I am surrounded by people and am one of the many who for various reasons haven't obtained those promised blessings yet. I have friends who struggle with mental illness or who experience same-sex attraction. There's reason after reason that we have to rely on the Lord's promise, even if we're not sure we may obtain it here. Thank you for that. 
Um, and, and I mean, I posed the question to a colleague I had. Her name is Jan Martin. She's a friend of the show. I think her response is telling, um, but it really gets this idea to, if we don't come from or aspire to a traditional family union, is there a place for us? Is, should we be aspiring towards something that really doesn't seem that attractive to us? Yeah, that's a really great question. It's really a personal question for me because I have not lived the typical um, traditional family life in the church. So from my experiences, I've learned that it's important to teach people that they're individuals, that they came to earth with a divine purpose and a unique purpose and have a plan and that we need to encourage them to find that out and discover what they came to earth to do. Not everybody comes from a traditional family or will uh, be able to um, attain a traditional family during mortality, but everybody can contribute good to the world and discover their purpose. And we need to help people be energetic and enthusiastic and be excited about what they came to earth to do. I think everyone has something to offer and we need to help people figure that out. I think you had a comment, Justin. Oh, I was just thinking about um, as we interact with our family members, we realize that the most wonderful family members we have are those that are like the Savior. Now, maybe they don't even know much about the Savior, but you see them developing those qualities of the Savior. And those are really the key aspects of family life, right? The, the best family life is the one where we're each trying to come to the Savior. We're not born married, right? We have time to prepare for that. And sometimes our timeline is different from other people's timelines. You know, I teach the eternal family class and sometimes it was the ones that were married, they'd be like, I know all these answers, right? And then I'd call on the single people intentionally and say, well, what have you learned about patience? Because trust me, you can learn a lot about patience when you're married and have children. And you can learn a lot about patience when you're single and you don't have children. I mean, there's just a different level of patience. So what have you learned about faith with your spouse? Well, what have you learned about faith with no spouse? Or what have you learned about faith from having a divorce situation? Or what have you learned about faith when you're struggling with LGBTQ issues? Every single individual has a way that they can gain the Christ-like attributes that they have regardless of their marital status. But the timing is the Lord's, and that's what Elder Maxwell has taught us, right? Having faith in the Lord is having faith in the Lord's timing. Mm -hmm. And also the situations. People are going to have different timings in different situations. People's lives are going to be affected differently. But if we put our trust in the Lord and continue to act in faith, He will make the ideal family for us. But that's an eternity, not necessarily right now. Justin, any concluding thoughts? This has been such a great discussion about the family. The, the beauty of the restoration is that knowledge of our heavenly family of those heavenly parents that we have that are caring for us. And they want us to have all that they have, even more than we do, right? They're more interested in our happiness than, than we are. And uh, as we turn our focus to their perfect son, Jesus Christ, it doesn't make everything easy in family life, but it does make everything bathed in that light of the Savior and helps us to move forward. I think you had a comment. Sister, Sister Jones has this quote. She says, in the final analysis of women's continuing roles in the restoration, and for us all, what role is preeminent? That's her question, and then she answers it. I testify that it is to hear him, to follow him, to trust him, and to become an extension of his love. 
I really do believe that as, as men and women in, in a marriage relationship, whether it's, again, a divorce or a single or, or inactive, it doesn't matter what it is. The role of every individual is to understand and listen to and try to hear the voice of God and then act upon it. It's not necessarily to be married at the age of 20. It's to find out what God's will is for you and then do it. So thank you so much for this discussion on this idea of the ideal family. It's been um, very edifying and I, I appreciate you being so forthcoming and vulnerable and sharing your personal experiences. And, and thank you, Justin, for your experience and your research and uh, all of your insights tonight. And we'd like to thank all of you as well in the audience. Thank you for coming. Again, thanks for your insights. We appreciate your time and being here and for all of your experiences that you've shared. And to those of you at home, thank you for sharing your comments and questions and insights with us via social media. Uh, we hope you can join us sometime in the studio, but if you can't, we hope you'll tune in next week for a Come Follow Up. Thanks. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.